There may be some signs out there today that a leverage problem is starting to creep its way into the equity markets. And in this video today, I wanna to bring you up to speed on, uh, first of all, what role leverage plays in investing, where we're at today, sort of do a snapshot so you can assess if in fact this is a developing problem. We're gonna look at some, some uh, people who support that argument and some people who don't. I'm also gonna share just in general some thoughts that I have about leveraging and so you can help determine who it's appropriate for, the types of things that you might wanna do with leverage. That's what we're gonna cover off in today's video. I wanna start though with where we are today and without question, we are at a highly levered situation in the equity markets. In Canada here, IROC, the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada, shows that we are at an all-time high with margin debt. As this chart shows, as we stand today, there is more than $30 billion in margin debt invested in the TSX. This is margin debt only. It doesn't even include home equity line of credits, mortgage refinance, etc. That's another $18 billion as of today invested in Canada. In the US, south of the border, margin debt, we look at the S&P 500, it's also at an all-time high of just over $900 billion. So both here in Canada and south of the border in the US, leverage is at an all-time high for investment purposes. I received a comment from a viewer I'd like to share with you named James, and James asked this question. He said, I'm curious on expanding your thoughts on leverage. I chose to leverage heavy early in the pandemic by buying the TSX 60 top dividend payers and CPX and a couple of REITs. Today, that portion of my portfolio delivers almost $20,000 in annual dividends and is up a net 48%. At this point, I have significant capital gains. So do I delever or ride out the near term where I'm likely to keep receiving my dividends, but possibly see a significant reduction in my 48% gain? I expect to retire in six years and have always thought I would carry this leveraged part of my portfolio into retirement so long as the dividends and investment tax credit outweigh the interest costs. I thank James for this great question. And these are the types of questions that we answer virtually every day in our investing academy, whether it's for students or whether it's for members of our private membership group. These are the types of, of issues that people grapple with all the time. If you are interested in learning more about our investing academy, that will be, as always, in the first link below. Now let's look at James's situation in a little bit more detail. And I'll say at the outset, obviously, I don't know James. I don't know all of the rest of your circumstances, so I can't specifically give you advice on this, but we can talk in general about um, the, the things, the issues you have to grapple with as a leveraged investor, and hopefully it'll give you some direction or some ideas as, as to the things that you need to consider. I would say what James is dealing with here is a classic dilemma. And most obviously there are two very conflicting objectives that he has. Number one is he's using the portfolio to generate income. And as he said, he's generating around $20,000 a year right now in, um, in income and in cash flow from this portfolio, which is very attractive to him. Conflict that with the objective of the capital growth. So uh, he's worried perhaps, or he's considering, should I take my profits on the 48% growth and lock in these gains, at which point he would mitigate or eliminate the downside risk, but he would also remove that cash flow. So this is, this is part of, that, um, of the decision-making that an investor has to make at all time, and it does come down to your specific circumstances. Uh, James does note that he's six years away from retirement, and we will talk more about that a little bit later in this talk because that does come into, uh, into play as far as what he should be considering. I will say just from the outset, 
leveraging is risky. And I know a lot of people who are levered are going to say, you know, that's hogwash. And, and uh, as long as you know what you're doing, uh, it's fine. There is a reason that when you open a margin account or you take out an investment loan, uh, and usually with dealerships on a regular basis, perhaps annually, you need to, to revisit your leverage situation. That's there because it's risky. It doesn't matter how you cut it. Risk though is um, subjective, I guess you could say to some degree. Uh, it, it's a perspective of where you think the markets are at, uh, some other factors. I'm going to look today at uh, what I would say is a growing concern out there in the market. If we look back at the chart, we see that leverage has been growing regularly. So what problem might this present? Couple of people who are quite well known in the industry. Let's start off with a tweet that Michael Burry sent back in February. And he said, speculative stock bubbles ultimately see the gamblers take on too much debt. The market is dancing on a knife's edge. Mohammed Al-Aryan, who is the chief economic advisor at uh, Allianz SE says, I am concerned about the growing leverage. It is part of a more general phenomenon of excessive and in some cases, irresponsible risk-taking enabled by a prolonged period of ultra-loose financial conditions. Both of these experts in their field are concerned that the growing, the, the sharp growth in uh, leveraged investing and in margin debt could be a precursor to a market correction. I mean, we'll just call it what it is. If we look back in history as a guide, I wanna show you a chart here that uh, goes back roughly 25 years. And if we look at the red line, starting at the left uh, axis, it shows the increase in the volume or in the level of debt, starting at just under $200 billion back in 1997. We do see a sharp increase leading up to, yes, the tech crash, which started back in 2000. You can see the blue line is the S&P 500, and there's a strong correlation between when the margin debt peaks out with the S&P 500 performance. Once the market recovered, we go back up to the next sharp increase, which takes us to 2007. Of course, we all know that that was the precursor to the big credit crisis that we had through 2007, eight and nine, early 2009. And again, there's a strong correlation between increased margin debt and market overperformance or ultimately underperformance. Now, since 2009, so we're going back a long ways now, the markets have continued to rise for the most part as has the margin debt. There was a pullback when the margin debt peaked out in 2018, pulled back, and here we are now in October of 2021 with, as I mentioned, just over $900 billion in margin debt. We also see the S&P 500 at all times, all time highs. If you look specifically at these two scenarios, you could, um, you would be right to think, hmm, is there something I need to be concerned about? Uh, well, you should always be concerned as an equity investor, however specifically related to, to leverage here. A contrary view to that is uh, made by a, an analyst named John Schlegel from a JP Morgan Chase. And he recently said, in fact, I believe on September the 27th, he said, while there are many potential reasons one could cite for market condition, the level and changes in margin debt do not appear to be setting up for extreme market drawdowns like we saw in 2000 and 2007. He goes on to say, over the past 12 months, margin debt has climbed 41%. While that's above the 29% gain seen in the S&P 500, it's not totally untethered from the slope of equities. For context, during the past market tops, margin loan growth outpaced share gains by twofold in 2007 
and almost four times in 2000. So Schlegel is saying that yes, there are always reasons that we might be concerned about the markets being overheated right now, but he doesn't see the rise in market debt um, as being one of those things that necessarily points to an imminent drop in the market. So um, where are we? Are we, do we have too much debt? Do we not, you know, are we, are we okay with the debt? We see some uh, very smart people with opposing views in this regard. And I guess that's always the way the markets work. Now, regardless of which side of that argument or that debate that you were sitting on, I'd like to take a few minutes and talk about the suitability of investing, our leverage investing in the first place. So Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Who or what would be the investment profile of someone who would be considering this? A few traits that just pop out to me that are critical if you are going to borrow money to invest. Number one, you really will help if you've had experience in the markets. If you're new to the markets and you've never gone through an extended period or even a complete business cycle, having experience will give you a lot of insight and it's something that you probably should have in order to leverage successfully. Obviously being knowledgeable about the markets in general, but also how leverage works is important. You also need to have appetite for risk. If you are a risk of a risk averse investor, it probably goes without saying that you shouldn't be borrowing money uh, because that just increases the risk of, of investments in the first place. Probably the most important thing that you need to be aware of if you're going to leverage, or if you're going to borrow to invest, is that you need to be in a very stable financial situation from the start of the whole scenario. Some of those things you want to look for is, can you service the debt that you take on if you're leveraging from other cash flows? Uh, a lot of people, and I don't think in James's case, he didn't specifically say that the dividend income that he is earning is paying for the, the interest on the debt that he has, the, the leveraged uh, amount. However, in many cases, that's the strategy people embark on is I'll make enough money to pay for the debt. You need to be able to, um, to invest successfully in this manner. You need to be able to have other sources of cash flow or other sources of resources that you can take to pay the debt to pay the regular interest rate or the interest payments on that debt. For example, um, what is your salary like? Do you have sufficient salary to uh, pay that debt if, for example, dividends are, are stopped from the investments that you have that you're relying on? Do you have a cash reserve? It's very possible you may have some money put aside that you can draw on if you are wanting to add to, uh, to service those debt payments. Any other sources of, of um, cash that you can use in the, in the event that the investment itself goes bad uh, and you still need to pay those interest payments, obviously. Another thing that you really need to consider is what is your total debt level? So if you have no other debt and your only uh, obligation here is a leveraged uh, investment, well, that may be a scenario, that may be a situation that allows you to do that. 
you have to look at what your total monthly debt service is. Um, this is just like any other debt that you own. You own an asset or you have an asset that you have a liability against. You need to be able to make sure that you can service that debt on a monthly basis, all encompassing. Another thing that you might not necessarily think of that you should think of is what about other lost opportunities? And an example would be if you're in the market, for example, to buy or you're anticipating at some point in the future, you may want to uh, take out another loan, for example, to buy a house or to buy a car or to buy a vacation property. This debt that you incur as a leveraged investment will count towards your outstanding debt. And it's quite possible that a bank or an institution that you go to lend you, you know, asking to lend you money will uh, will not lend you because they're, they're, uh, they're factoring in that you have too much debt overall. So even though they're definitely not related directly, that will be a factor when you're going to borrow more or take on more debt in the future. So that's something that if that's in your cards, you need to be aware of if you're considering whether you should take on debt for a situation like this. Uh, a couple of conditions or a few conditions I think that need to be in place if you're gonna be taking on uh, an investment, uh, leveraged investment strategy is it should be long-term. That is subjective. Uh, some people would say five years is long-term. Some people would look at a 20-year time period. Regardless, uh, if this is a short-term strategy, there is an inherent amount of risk if you're trying to just capitalize on a market pullback and then your expectation is that very shortly you're gonna um, sell the investments and go out. You do need to have a long-term strategy right from the out outset. Also, it's prudent to have a diversified portfolio. You shouldn't borrow money, in my opinion, and buy an asset. You're really hot on a stock and you wanna borrow, uh, you wanna buy it, you don't have the money today. Um, you might wanna borrow the money to buy that. You do need to have security in that portfolio because it is the um, the asset that is protecting, that is uh, collateral against the loan. So you do need to have protection there and that comes in most cases through diversification. Generally speaking, rule of thumb, if you're younger, that's better than being older. You know, for example, if you're near return, uh, near retirement and, and uh, John did mention, or James did mention that he's uh, about six years from retirement. So that is something you need to factor in. It doesn't mean that if you're closer to retirement or if you're in your, you know, late 40s, mid 50s that you can't do it because your investment horizon still can be longer. But a big, a big thing you need to consider, and it kind of cycles back to what I just spoke about, if your cash flow, if you're, if you're servicing the debt from uh, your cash flow from a paycheck, if that paycheck is going to stop. And if that reserve goes away, then that would be a, sort of a, a, a scenario or a condition that you might want to say that this might not be a good strategy for you. A couple other quick ones. Obviously, interest rates are, are uh, uh, applicable. We're in a low interest rate environment right now, so money is cheap, as I said at the outset. So it's uh, you can borrow more money for a lower cost, and that does uh, entice some people to, to take that step when they maybe otherwise shouldn't. Uh, I can get more return than I can off the interest rate, but all of these uh, interest rates that you pay on these mortgage debts, uh, for the most part, I would say, are going to be a f a floating rate. So if interest rates do spike up, uh, obviously those payments are going to uh, go along with that. And finally, I would say your marginal tax rate does matter. On a non-registered investment debt, the interest that you pay would be tax deductible against other forms of, of interest, uh, other forms of, forms of income rather. So if you're in a high marginal tax rate, you will get more bang for the buck there. If you're in a low marginal tax rate, you can still make those deductions against other income, uh, but uh, there may be limited advantage. I wouldn't use that as the deciding factor on whether this would be an appropriate strategy for you or not, but it's certainly one that you do need to consider. Now, going back to James's scenario, he specifically mentioned that he borrowed in a down market. He borrowed in March 
of 2020. Now, nobody knew at that time that that was the, the bottom, but he, uh, you know, his he probably did his research and said, it looks like this might be an opportune time to uh, borrow. And he was right. Uh, in March of, two, of 2020, that's when the market uh, bottomed out. So he borrowed then, and it's, it's the best time to borrow, uh, to invest, is when the markets are low. Now, history shows that people, in fact, do the exact opposite from that on a regular basis. If we look at this next chart, and this is going to show the yearly change in margin debt on the S&P 500. If we look back to 1999, to that first spike in the blue line, you will notice that there is a purple line, a purple bar that goes that corresponds with that. Now, the, the, the purple bar is shown by a bear market with a decline of at least 20% in the S&P 500. So leading up to the bear market, we saw an increase in, year, in the yearly change of margin debt. Interestingly, as soon as the market started to drop, and of course they dropped sharply back then, we saw a dramatic decrease in the yearly change or a huge drop in people taking money or deleveraging during that time. Once the market stabilized, we then saw an increase again up until 2007-ish. Again, I don't think coincidentally, right before we saw the big credit crisis and the market drop again through that time period through to early 2009. There's been a lot of choppiness since then, but where we see ourselves today in October of 2021, we'll see that yearly change again quite large. Now, does this necessarily indicate that we are going to see another correction like we saw back in 2000 and 2009? That's not necessarily the case, but it is something to be aware of. So is borrowing to invest either now uh, when I've identified at the outset of this video some of the concerns that are out there today with the, the high level of margin debt or just in general, um, is this a good solid investment strategy? It depends. It's suitable for some people if all of those conditions I talked about are in place. I would say that for most people, leveraged investing is not suitable. Uh, you do regardless need to understand your risk, uh, factor in your experience, and you will make a determination based on that. But for most, uh, it's probably better to uh, to avoid this part of the investing world in general. Just to wrap up uh, James' question, we went back to the stop, uh, back to the start of the video. He needs, I would suggest, to clarify what his objective are. He talked about, as I said, those two conflicting objectives. One is, I love the income I'm getting in, but I'm a little bit nervous because I've made a good gain on this, and you know, do I risk giving all those gains back? Uh, depends on what your needs are. Now, I talked about time horizon as well, and James specifically talked about being six years from retirement. That is a factor. Uh, Long-term time horizon is generally better if you're a um, an equity or a, a leveraged investor. But if James is, I'm just going to say, let's say he's 55 years old right now, retiring at, at 60 or 61, he still has a reasonable uh, investment horizon ahead of him. Uh, the day that you retire, you don't necessarily have to sell everything and go to you know go back to the bottom line or to square one. So um, if he happens to time things inappropriately, decides to ride it out, and the markets work against him in the meantime, as long as he has those other factors in in a, in a, in place where he can still service the debt, uh, for example, uh, just basically I said, look at your overall experience, your overall financial picture. Um, that would be a major factor. And lastly, I would say. What we don't get from James's question is how much of his big overall financial picture is this? What percentage of his assets, what percentage of his income come from this strategy? If his in entire cash flow is reliant upon this uh, this portfolio, that would be one thing. If he has 
you know, $5 million tucked away somewhere else that he will be relying on for income if all else, you know, hits the fan, then um, this might be, you know, this is a smaller chunk of that overall percentage. So the, it might sway in favor of, of him making a decision to do this. I would like to know if you personally have ever borrowed to invest. I know over the years I have at times um, and uh, my experiences have generally been good, but for the, but most of my investing career, I have not been leveraged, but there have been times uh, where I have. If you've had an experience, uh, is it a good experience where you've uh, capitalized like James has, um, or is it a bad experience where you, know, you took a hit, or do you know of other uh, people who's had experiences? Because uh, if you share that information with us in this discussion today, uh, it will really uh, you know uh, provide depth to the whole question that James had, and I'd love to be able to help him out with some other personal experience as well. Uh, I will wrap up this talk today. Hope it's provided you with good information as to what you might need to know if you're considering leverage as an investment strategy. Um, as always, I mentioned earlier in the video, I'll remind you again, the first link in the video below is for our investing academy. And these are the types of scenarios that uh, all types of people have uh, to deal with on a regular basis. and. Uh, you know, members in our Discord chat as part of the uh, the community ask questions like this all the time. Some of our students who are going through the actual course material, uh, you know, these types of, of dilemmas are, are covered in, in uh, material like that. So if that's something you're interested in, please click on the first link below. As always, if you enjoyed the video, if you found value to the video, I really would appreciate a thumbs up on that. If you feel like you want to share the video with someone else, I uh, really appreciate that as well. I, I do thank you so much for watching the video and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.